Morning, saints. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to... That's you if you're saved, by the way. Right? Morning, saints. Morning. Morning. I hope there were some here. Uh, turn, turn, if you will, to First um, Peter chapter 1, borrowed from Ryan. First Peter chapter 1. If you haven't caught on by now, I'm substituting for Abe, who... Um, Hurt his wrist, and you can ask him about uh, how he's going. Looks like he's going pretty well. I selected two Bible readings: the one that was assigned to me, and then some extra. If you've ever read books, and I've only <laughs> I only read books that I had to read, and uh, so I'm trying to get through them. Some people enjoy books; they like to look at the end for some reason. And they look at the end, they know how it ends, and then they go to the front and go forward. If you're one of those people, then these, the way I'm reading these Bible verses are for you. Turn, if you will, First Peter chapter 5. Uh, towards the end of this letter, Peter wrote, First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. And, and hopefully you will understand why uh, I'm wanting to read these verses now. Because reading these verses now, if you're thinking... And looking a little bit ahead, or looking, just trying to apply it, Peter writes what he wrote in chapter 1 for this kind of situation, for this this thing in in chapter 5. So, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Therefore, you've got to be somewhat familiar with the passages. Hopefully you are somewhat. But therefore, humble yourselves. When the mighty hand of God, remember he's writing to sojourners, elect exiles, he calls them in chapter 1. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I'm reading out a new King James Version, by the way. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Stand steadfast in the faith. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who calls us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now turn to chapter 1. I'm going to state the obvious here. Uh, After we read this, Peter ends with a doxology. He begins with one here too. First uh, Peter chapter one and verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 
If you were here last weekend, you saw, if it's still up behind me, what Ryan gave as a word cloud as he started this uh, this study in First Peter with the first two verses. And, uh, and the word God is prominent. And so uh, it shall be. I did a little, I just checked that out to make sure that was how correct was he. And I looked in a concordance and there are a lot of mentions of God in First Peter. Uh, and there's another word I'm going to mention later on. But there's uh, the foreknowledge of God or the God and Father or the power of God or uh, the word of God, uh, people of God, glorify God, the will of God, bondservants of God. And that's not that's not even halfway done. So God is is foremost. And so it's right that he would give a doxology. If you remember last week, Ryan gave us a small handout. And uh, you might that might still be around and be praying for the brothers that are going to be uh, teaching. Uh, Mickey will be teaching next in verses six through twelve. Uh, he and, and the elders here do recommend and encourage and exhort you to be very familiar with the uh, letter that Peter wrote in the first Peter chapter in first Peter. Um, these are days that are getting darker. If you aren't aware of the darkness, then maybe don't have your eyes open. I hope you do. But if you walk in the light, we are in the light, can see it and know where we're going and can know what's happening. These people that Peter wrote this were were elect exiles. They were living in uh, difficult times. They were their government wasn't that friendly. Uh, Their economics maybe weren't that good to them. And they had to move on. They were dispersed, all, all uprooted. And as our culture crumbles and decays, and it is if you can see it. And as our government gets more and more corrupt, and you know it is, it is, the days are getting darker. And these days, you need to hear what Peter has said because become more and more godless when that happens. And when we become godless, it's darker. And you need to have the light and you need to be encouraged to keep going. And that's what Peter did to these dispersed Christians, these pilgrims. And they would, they probably went, is this worth it? Is this worth it? I mean, really? All this? It's worth all, all the persecution. I hope that you understand by the end of this, it will be. It will be because of what's at the end. Ryan, um, I covered my own notes with, I, I took notes last time, and he, he went over some main points. The letter is a letter of encouragement to elect exiles, to Christians, yes, suffering Christians. We here in the West don't know for sure how it is like. Not yet. Not yet. But our brothers and sisters are in communist countries, godless countries, Marxist theology, you know, Marxist atheism, or, 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 um, or in the Muslim countries. We don't know. We, we haven't really felt it unless you've been there and tried to work there. They needed an encouragement. Suffering Christians, that he wanted, Ryan mentioned he wanted the Christians, Peter wanted the Christians to have grace and peace. See that there in the end of verse two, grace and peace. They had it to begin with, but they wanted to be multiplied. Grace and peace to be multiplied unto them. That's what they needed to be multiplied, not just start out, but they needed more and more fresh grace and the peace that comes from it. They were called for obedience. These Christians were called for obedience to God. Ryan said they needed to have the right perspective on their life. 
keeping their eyes on Jesus, I think the words that Ryan used, but I'm, how about looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus. So this message is, is for us, us Christians in the West. The culture is starting to crumble, and uh, our government is starting to get more and more corrupt. But who's in control? Who's in control? And it's the good shepherd, right? God. He's got it all under control. He always has. And he does now. These are the days that God has made us to live. We should rejoice and be glad. And he must think that we're capable for living here. He must give us the grace to do so. So the elders encourage you to read First Peter uh, more and more as you go on. Uh, these next few months, maybe this whole year. And you can read it once a week, read it once a day. But I encourage you to be very familiar with it, and at the very least what the brothers are going to be presenting, and that's, that'll be in, in the calendars. Uh, so I'll get my desk a little bit more uh, straightened up here. If you need titles for sermons, I came up with a few, and I narrowed them down to seven. Sounds like a good number. The first one's pretty easy. Studies in First Peter, part two, uh, chapter one, verse three through five. Next would be this is borrowed from the athletic world. Right? No pain, no gain. Well, there's another one I believe that says no guts, no glory. More serious one would be uh, the Apostle Peter encourages us or encourages elect exiles. Us. The Apostle Peter. Feeding the lambs of the Lord Jesus. Last two, they're very similar. Good news and bad news. Or good news in hard times. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it would uh, not go, it would pay that it would go forth in power. Pray that the people here would be encouraged and edified. Your son, your son would be glorified. May they not see it as a, the words of a mere man, that, that, but the power of your word uh, speak to them, encourage them, help them, be their shepherd. Father, these are days that we need to hear from you and need to encourage for days to keep going, keep going and, and, and thrive and bring glory to your son. So again, Father, we thank you for now, your word may it go forth in the power of your Holy Spirit. We need his help today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read verse 3 again. And so in a sense, we only have three verses today. And uh, maybe we're ahead of time. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get... Uh, so verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again. To a living hope, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God is prominent, and uh, God is prominent in this uh, in this epistle, and God is to be blessed. Peter says there's a lot of theology that's going to be packed into these. Even these few verses are packed in there, and but these they should lead to the praise of God. Blessed be God. He's to be praised. He. He's not only God, he's not only the I am, but our verses say that he's father. He's a father. And the verses tell us he's the father of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Now, if I was doing a study on the Trinity, these studies would be part of it. We're not going to do a study on the Trinity today, but these these have some uh, pertinent facts of that. But the doxology, 
Praise be to God, the God and Father. He's worthy of all praise. He's creator. He's holy. He's God. The great I am. But he also is a begetter. He begets things. He, he begots. Fathers do that. Don't they don't want to be called father. I suppose they didn't be called. He begot things. Like who? Like us. Us. You're begotten if you're a Christian here today. You're begotten again. You were born one time, but to go to heaven you need to be born again. Is that right, saints? Being born again? Right? Born from above? This begotten acts to us that he's done to us again by adoption is according to Peter wrote Peter writes mercy. We were helpless. Helpless. It's according, to his, according to whose mercy? Whose mercy? The government's mercy? No. His mercy. God's mercy. His mercy. God's mercy. Well, how much? Abundant. His abundant mercy, Peter goes on to amplify it. So not only God, we know that God not only has one begotten son, he only has one begotten son. The Lord Jesus, the only begotten son, the God man. Who is the eternal son. But he also has more sons, if you will. Children. That are born from above. Not like our first birth. It's similar to our first birth because we didn't have anything to do with our first birth, did we? We don't have, any second to do with our, we don't have much to do with our second birth either. But the first birth was done of parents, of flesh. Our second birth is a spiritual thing. See, we were dead before the second birth, born from above. We were dead. We needed to be born anew again, according to his abundant mercy. And what for? What for? The answer is right there in in verse 3. For a hope. We heard much about hope today. When Bible verses were shared and thought about during the Lord's Supper. Hope. Hope. We need hope. But it can't just be a, a mindless hope or just a fake hope or a hope that really isn't really have any confidence that it's even going to ever happen. The hope that we have is the Bible says it says there Peter, directed by the Holy Spirit, used the word living. A living hope. It's a lively hope. It's not dead. It has a reason to live. A hope that's alive. It's based on someone who has an indestructible life. Anybody come? Anybody that come familiar? Right. He has an endless life. That's what this living hope is based on. That's not what it's based on. That's who it's based on. The high priest that has an indestructible life. He ever lives to make intercession. The hope is for sure and for good because of him. If we keep if we keep reading, it, it says. This is all through the Lord Jesus, who is the life. He is the life. He is the way, the truth and the life. He died. They put him to death on the cross. That was God's plan from the beginning. The living one, the one who had life, they put to death. And God raised him from the dead. As he promised it was going to happen. He rose again to life. 
And now he gives a living hope to his people. He gives a living hope to his sheep as they follow him and as they trust him and as they obey him. These are facts. These are some facts. Peter was one who saw with his own two eyes the resurrected Lord. And he saw him do a whole bunch of other things before that. He learned from him. And he and other apostles put together a a system of truths. The faith. The faith. I'd like you to turn to Jude Jude chapter 3, please. Jude chapter 3. Jude is right before Revelation. It's, It's hid right before Revelation. Jude chapter 3. And what I'm trying to make the point of right now is these things, this living hope, are based on a fact that Jesus rose from the dead. These are bedrock, bedrock teachings, bedrock truth, doctrinal, again, rock-like, Peter-like, all pun intended. These are uh, these things would go into the faith. The faith once, to, once delivered to the saints. Jude, verse 3. Beloved, Jude 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you. What was he going to exhort? To contend earnestly for, for what? The faith. The faith. The system of doctrines. The, what, or, or makes a Christian a Christian. Um, who Jesus is, who God is, how he exists. Uh, he's the creator, Adam and, and Abraham and, and how a person uh, gets justified before this holy God and how the Messiah came and rose, dead, rose from the dead and trusting him. These are things that are bedrock teaching part of the faith that was once for all delivered to people like you. Faith, the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. So we're not talking about faith here, of trusting. We're talking about a system, the faith. Keep the faith. Don't, don't get away from it. Don't get away from the faith, the doctrines, the apostles' doctrines. They are be contended for and fought for. More and more we see, our, more and more we see our, our being tempted to pull away from these things and, and, and come away by the world and by false teachers. They were given for you. They were given for us. Us today in 2022. Now, go back to First uh, Peter. If, you, if you're still in Jude, go back to First Peter. So, if verse 3, we're in, we're in verse 4 coming up. If verse 3 it tells us we've been begotten. We've been begotten. To what? It says to. To what? To what? Verse 4. To an inheritance. Incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. These are all key words. If you are in the midst of suffering and wondering, is it worth it? An inheritance. Have you ever inherited anything? You may inherit any, ever, ever inherit anything? Am I the only one? Nobody else inherited anything? <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, it didn't cost me anything. I didn't do anything to get it. I didn't get the inheritance. But we, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, you're an heir. You're part of God's family. The thing that we've studied here over the past few months, part of God's family, you're an heir. We're all co-heirs. When, what, what is your inheritance? Well, your inheritance is the salvation of your soul. That'd be verse 9. We'll have to skip down to verse 9. 
uh, borrow from next week's verses, receiving the end of your salvation, the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, the end of it. Well, we'll have a little bit more later. The salvation of your soul, an eternal home in heaven, an eternal place in heaven. That's part of your inheritance. And you get to live in the presence of the heavenly man. You get to live in the presence of the Lord Jesus. That, that all, all who bow before. You get to live in his presence himself. I, I'd like to take a small detour and go to um, uh, Psalm, Psalm 16. You can uh, turn with me. Or you can just, it's just a short verse that David wrote about what his inheritance was going to be. This is Psalm 16. In verse 5, King David, King David wrote this. I'll wait for you to turn there. We're talking about an inheritance. And David mentioned what his inheritance was. Psalm 16 in verse 5. O Yahweh, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. So David says God was his inheritance. That's enough. That's enough. You need to remember that as he went through this inheritance that you get by being in the family of God is incorruptible. The Apostle Peter writes incorruptible. Impervious to death. The one who guarantees it cannot die. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It's 100% good, 100% pure, like the Lord Jesus. Will not fade away. Will not fade away. Undimmed, like the Lord Jesus of glory. This is the kind of inheritance we Christians have. And it's reserved. It's there. It's there now, because he's there now, he has prepared a place for you, for you in heaven, waiting. It's all ready. It's all ready. It's not like we're going to get this ready because uh, so and so is going to come up here. No, it's ready. It's ready now. Ready now. As you on the move through this wilderness, if you will. You, we are heirs along with the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. The firstborn, the firstborn from the dead. I'd like to turn to two passages written by the Apostle Paul. So turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 28, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. If Peter was an apostle to the uncircumcision, here we're going to read some from the apostle to the uncircumcision. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. In verse 29, and we'll probably end up reading more than just that. Whom he, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That your destiny, Christian, your destiny is secure. To be conformed to the image of his son, won't that be good? And that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, and we just got to keep going, it's just too good. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, 
Where's the word sanctified? That's where we're in right now. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit left out. But I guess maybe it's a done deal. Who he justified when he got saved, begin with, declared righteous. Those, these he also glorified. That's the end process. He who did not. Who, who shall. What shall we say to these things? For if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered us up for us all, how will he not with him give us freely all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Elect exiles. On the way back to First uh, Peter, we're going to make a uh, stop at Colossians. So if you will, turn with me or just listen to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. This is all because we are heirs along with the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. The firstborn, God's firstborn. He, um, and that, again, this is the theology here. Um, firstborn from the dead. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12. Colossians chapter 1, and verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. Actually, I'm really heading towards 15, but you got to, these verses that lead up to 15 are so good. Giving thanks to the Father, here's that word, also who has who qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. There's that topic. The Holy Spirit seems to be working in Paul just as much as Peter. Who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, of his love, of the son of his love. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the radiance of his glory, the firstborn over all creation. In him, verse 16, in him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And all he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the dwellness should dwell. We'll go back to First Peter. First Peter. So let's go back to With these thoughts in mind. First Peter, before we leave verse 4, I want to leave you with some thoughts. He is in heaven. The Lord Jesus is in heaven now with your father, if you're a Christian, with our father. He's in there now. Keeping the inheritance safe. Reserved a place for you. He's going to guard you as you're on your way. He's going to guard you to get there. It's kept for you and he's going to keep you for it. And when a person inherits something, there's usually a benefactor, a person who gives something to someone. And there's also the executor. After the person dies, the benefactor dies, the executor takes over and does what the benefactor wants to do. In this case, think about it. Think about how good God is. Or think how good the Lord Jesus is. He's the benefactor. He's also the executor. He's the one who's going to make sure that gets taken care of. He's, he's going to take care of it. The, of, that, of this inheritance, it's sure it's in heaven. Nothing can touch it. It's there. You just have to wait until you have to wait till you get there. 
Let's look at verse five, our last our last verse. So if verse four talks about who and that who being you, then verse five. Who are kept by the power of God, that who is you, by the way, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation to be revealed at the last time. The elect exiles, the sojourners, the strangers are being kept safe by power, the power of God. Kept safe for salvation. We read there, or you can read in Romans, that in Romans chapter, uh, verse uh, 30 of chapter 8, that our salvation comes in three processes, right? I mean, you're justified. That's when salvation starts. You're justified, and you have your sins forgiven by faith. And then the process of sanctification starts. You're, you're, when you're justified, you are saved from the penalty of sin. When you're sanctified, you are being saved by the power of sin in your life. And then when you get to your destination... You'll be glorified. You'll be saved from the presence of sin. And that's what our inheritance involves. And that place is ready. And it's ready to be revealed to you at the end. And all this, all this inheritance is through faith. Through faith. Not the faith, but through your trusting God. Trusting God to deliver you. And God will deliver you as you trust him to deliver this. So there's faith intertwined with this whole process. Trust in God to deliver you and give you your inheritance. Does God keep his promises? Does God keep his promises? Yes. And he will keep you safely and get you to your inheritance. What should be your response? What should be your response to this? Well, um, if we borrow from the next few verses, and I think we have time. If you borrow, look at verses six through nine. And I I think these are part of the verses that Mickey's going to be sharing next time. But verses six says, in answer to that response, what should be your response? In this, you greatly rejoice. Now, yeah, that's reason to rejoice when you look at it and you think, you know, you've got it in your mind and you know, you're going to be there. You greatly rejoice. Though now, now, in time, that was, that was eternity, but you need to keep eternity in mind. You need to keep heaven in mind as you're going through now, as you're going through today. And it can get worse, saints. You know, it can get worse and it probably will. That's why I think you can you need to look forward to applying these verses. You need to keep that mind, heavenly mindset. What's reserved for you. Or you might be tempted to give up. But let's keep going. Let's read. And this you, great, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. If need be. You have been grieved. Uh, the marginal, title, marginal reading says it's been distressed, I think. Distressed. You've been grieved by various trials. Remember I said good news and bad news or good news for, in hard times? Why does this have to be? So the genuine, genuineness of your faith is going to refine your faith. So look forward to it. It has to. You have to. The genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, can be found to the praise and honor and glory of the revel- at the revelation of Jesus, the anointed one. Verse 8. Whom, whom having not seen. Has, have we seen the Lord Jesus? 
Not like Peter did. Maybe Paul did a little bit. But having not seen, you love. We, we sang a song about that this morning while we remembered him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with inexpressible joy and full of glory. Why? Because what's waiting for you, what he's doing for you. Receiving the end of your faith, the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So rejoicing, even in the grieving, even in the suffering, even if the suffering involves for his sake. I did a little word study on the word suffer because I, as I read it over and over, I said, and it kind of hit me over the head. And it was last night, actually. Uh, suffering is all over the place, just like God is all over. First uh, Peter suffering is all over uh, this, this, this letter and must have been going on. That's why we, Peter wrote it. Uh, if you use a new King James concordance of uh, first Peter, I'm going I'm to give you some verses that talks about suffering in this in this verse. Actually, if you look at the concordance, if you had a little meter that, you know, you're looking for the word suffer or survive. When you went over some New Testament books, like when you got first Peter. And here's some, for instance, in, in chapter one, verse 11, it says sufferings of Christ. Searching for what manifested time, the spirit of, of Christ who was in them. That's the prophecy he testified. They'd be the Holy Spirit of the sufferings of the anointed one. So suffering starts there. With the anointed one uh, two nineteen, suffering wrongly. And that would be for people, not the Lord Jesus. Suffer wrongly is commendable because the conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Or how about verse, the next verse? Uh, what credit is it beaten for your faults? Take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, ha ha. <laughs> oh, of course, that's what like the Lord Jesus, wasn't it? Never did anything wrong. Did good and suffer. If you take it patiently, that's commendable before God. Verse 21. To this you were called because Christ also suffered. Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example. 314. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake. You're blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats. 317. For it is better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good, for doing evil and then for doing evil. 318. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The just for the unjust to bring us to God. Verse uh, verse one of chapter four is Christ suffered for us. Christ suffered in the flesh. Thirteen, uh, you have partaken Christ's sufferings. Uh, Fifteen of uh, verse fifteen of uh, chapter four. Let none of those sufferings be, don't don't be suffering as an evildoer. Four fifteen. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, as an evildoer, as a busybody, or other people's matters. Verse 16, the next verse. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. That's what the Lord Jesus did. He continually gave his soul over the one who did justly. Peter says he was a witness in verse, uh, of the sufferings of Christ, uh, 5.1. And 
and lastly, the last two verses in chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. This is chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. Resist him. We read this before. Resist him. That'd be the devil who roars like, a, roars like a roaring lion. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in all the world. Do you think our brothers and sisters in China today are suffering? Do you think our brothers and sisters in Muslim countries are suffering? Yeah, some. Yeah, for sure. Verse 10. That may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So that's just a little word study on the book of suffering in, in this letter to, to those elect exiles, those Christians. The hope that the Christian, as he goes through these things, has to be kept alive to go through the sufferings. Look at... For, look at... Uh, Verses, chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. Chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. Yet if anyone suffers such a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. That'd be us. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Is anyone here who has never obeyed the gospel of God? The gospel is to be obeyed. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's a command. Believe on him. It's an imperative command. You can disobey it. Is anyone here who has disobeyed the gospel of God and believing the gospel, putting your trust in him, the finished sacrifice of God's eternal son, the only hope. He is the way to the Father. He is the Way, the truth, and the life. He's only it. What's holding you back? Why don't you put your faith in the Lord Jesus? Why don't you trust him? And then become an heir. May God show you your need. May God impart life in you. May God give you mercy. To put your trust in him only and only him. The one who went to the cross and died there, not because of his own sins, but they took him down and put him in the grave and he raised again. Because God was satisfied with him. That, that was the perfect sacrifice. And now he's a perfect high priest. He says everything's perfect about him. What's wrong with him? If you haven't obeyed Jesus in going to the gospel and trusting him, you need to. For your own good. In closing, a, a, a few things. Um, remember, suffering, uh, it, it's worth it. it. It will refine your faith. Don't you, do you think our faith needs to be refined? I know mine does. And it will bring glory to God. It cost you something, but glory to God. Of course, what what did it cost him? And remember, your place is ready. Your place is ready as you're going through the suffering. This might be a good time to start reading Pilgrim's Progress. (laughs) Um, And some people read it once a year. It might be a good thing to read Pilgrim's Progress, an old book about how a Christian makes uh, forward progress in his walk with God until he gets to the celestial city. There are other things that are more modern. Um, I... I uh, recently came across this, uh, Sabina, put out by the Voice of the Martyrs. I wonder if um, there's a whole lot of good things put out by uh, the Voice of Martyrs. And uh, I didn't have time to do, uh, I was going to hope to have a piece of paper with a whole lot of um, resources like this. The reason I'm saying is you need to, we need to be 
equipped and edified of people who have gone through things like that are coming our way, like Corey Tinboom and her two, two her, sis, her sister and her dad, and and uh, the man in, in, in Torture for Christ. Or there, I'm looking at my phone here. There's just a uh, Aaron Miller who had a Christian per, per, persecution. Is it strange? Is it sacred? Uh, I'm, the point is, I'm, I'm I'm using Voice of the Martyr as a reference, and uh, I wish I had more things. Uh, to show you, they're talking about Pakistan here and, and, and others here. Just go to the Voice of the Martyrs if you need more uh, to just learn how people look to the Lord through all their sufferings. It's happening today. And again, here's, you can look at this or you can, uh, this, this just came in yesterday. Vicki got it. So, um, I'd like to, as we close, have us turn to the second letter that Peter wrote. Now, I think it's probably to the same people. It's a few years later. Get three years or so. Uh, it's Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. So we had to uh, we had to talk about some hard things there. But now, that's, this, that's the point. You may. Get your eyes off the hard things, onto the Lord. Keep going. He's waiting. It'll help. Be good for you. Glorify Him. Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three and verse thirteen. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, God's promise, look forward to a new heaven and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. How about verse eighteen. And in the meantime, we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the anointed one. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. So be going, be growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So now back to First Peter. The end of First Peter we read before. The second doxology, if you will, of his letter. First Peter chapter five, chapter five, verse ten. And remember all the things that Peter had to encourage those Christians with. Five ten, may the God of all grace. Remember how he started. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you've suffered a little while, may he perfect. What's the marginal reading there? Uh, will perfect. After you've suffered a while, he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him, verse 11, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we have a hope. We have a living hope because it's based on a living person who doesn't lie, who can't fail. And so... We need to keep looking at him, trusting him in faith as we go through what he puts us through. These are the days that he's decided we shall live and he must have a plan to use us. May we want that plan. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your word. Thank you that it meets our need. We thank you that we what you've done through your son, what you have planned for us, what you what you've reserved for us. Thank you. Your son is alive to help us. He was true to his word and given us the Holy Spirit. So we pray that you would help us to be watching and waiting. Pray that his son, pray that his kingdom would come soon. But help us to be watching and waiting and bearing good fruit, fruit that will last. 
all for his glory. Thank you for what you're doing in us. We pray there's anyone who's not, uh, has not bowed the knee to your son, who's not realized the need for a savior, that you would give them no rest or peace until they go to your son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.